Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And we're back again this week, starting the second half of The Giver Quartet, This is book number three, Messenger, and the series is, of course, by Lois Lowry. And this book is that we're reading right now is kind of exciting because we're getting a bit of a connection between the last two worlds that we discovered in the first two books. And I think that we had some polarizing takes on the last book, so maybe Asia will like this one a little better than Gathering Blue. Yeah, hopefully. And as we always like to say, for anyone who is new to the show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we're reading and rereading young adult literature from our childhood and adolescence and sharing these books with each other. And Charles has read the first two books, but we're both new to Messenger. And yes, I did not hate this one. <laughs> not, not nearly as much as Gathering Blue. Or actually, I didn't hate this one at all. But this book was just much more interesting from the get-go. Well, why don't you go ahead and give us a plot summary of this more interesting plot so far? Yes, so this time we are following Maddie. Six years after the events of Gathering Blue, he's living with Christopher in the community where Christopher was brought after the men tried to kill him in Kira's community. And Maddie is coming of age, and he's also realizing that he has a superpower of some sort in which he can heal animals and probably people. He's accidentally touched injured animals, and they drain his life force. So that's kind of cool because he's able to heal them in some sort of way. But... The people in this village are becoming less kind and pleasant and their appearances are changing after they make trades with this like mysterious wandering trader. And it seems that the people of the village are trading away their virtue in order to get material possessions and beauty. This leads to the villagers voting to close the border of their community and no longer accept new arrivals. Maddie is then tasked with going to Kira's village to tell her because if she's ever going to come live with her father, now is the time. And that's pretty much where we got to in today's reading. So my first impression was that this book obviously started right off with some very exciting questions. Like right off the bat, we we learn that Maddie has some sort of secret that he's keeping from everyone. And we eventually find out that it's this healing superpower. But that was obviously exciting to read. And then another big question is what's going on with the trading, which is a big plot point during this section of, you know, What are the people trading in order to get these really fancy items or to change their appearance? So I just felt that that just from the get-go, having more exciting things to be wondering about just made it a much more interesting story because obviously I wanted the answers, so I didn't want to put the book down, which is not how I felt about Gathering Blue the last two weeks. Fair enough. I mean, again, to each their own. And I definitely will agree that these these questions felt more high stakes. Like in Gathering Blue, it was like, well, will Kira learn how to dye colors this week? You know, which just does definitely doesn't feel as exciting as like, ooh, what's this like dark magic that these people are trading around with? For me, like my impression was that I didn't necessarily like see, I don't know if we want to call it magic, but I definitely didn't see that coming. And I find that the... um incongruity or discongruity, I think it's incongruity of these different communities. It's just a little bit jarring for me. Like they are all, you know, within like walking distance of each other, but then they seem to operate like with very, very different rules. 
So it's just something that like I just have to adjust to, but I can definitely like handle it long term. And I'm enjoying Messenger. I I mean, like we said, this one is new to me too. And I also was like, hmm, they're dealing with like this real idea of like hatefulness, like these people who are like trying to exclude people from their community. And, you know, you might think that was written, you know, circa 2015 or later, you know, but it looks like it was the book was actually published in 2004. So that's kind of crazy that it's like kind of timely now for, you know, people these days as well. Yep. <laughs> that's all you're going to say on that. Just yep. Yes. Okay, fine. Well, we can dive into the plot plot. So Maddie is living with Christopher. Oh, and by the way, I'm probably going to call him Christopher and Jonas. Sometimes I'll, and, you know, sometimes I'll call them Seer and Leader, but like, I think it's a little easier to refer to them by their character names, if you ask me personally. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, also like, we know they have names, so like, why not? But Maddie is living with Christopher. Christopher is called the Seer in this community because he kind of has like a way of watching people. I say watch with quotation marks because he's more like watching their behavior patterns rather than like physically watching them because obviously he's blind. And so in this community, you get your name. Your name kind of is your profession. So Maddie is close to being made an adult and therefore getting his name changed. And he's expecting it to probably be Messenger because he literally carries messages around the village. And Jonas, if we assume that The Giver and Gathering Blue happened around the same time, Jonas is like 19, and he's the leader of the community. If there was a little bit of a window, then maybe Jonas might be a little older, but they did say he's really young, and we know he's 13 when he leaves the village, his village, and we know it's been six years since Gathering Blue, so if he left his village when Gathering Blue was happening, he'd be 19 or around that age, and he is the leader of this community. And also, Maddie basically considers Christopher his father. So we know that his mother beat him, and so he left. And he's been living with Christopher ever since. And, you know, they, like, support each other. Like, obviously, Christopher can't see, but Maddie's also a child, so they take care of each other. (laughs) And one of the earlier scenes we get, they are cooking together. And I just want to ask you, Asia, did you think that cooking scene was boring? No, because... It didn't go on for 10 pages or more, like in Gathering Blue, with the dying of the thread. Okay, well, I was reading it, and I was cognizant. I was like, I wonder if Asia thinks this is super boring. No. Also because for their, like, dialogue and stuff, like, it's developing their relationship of, like, father and son. Versus, like, with Kira, it was just, it wasn't really developing, she wasn't really developing a relationship with Annabella. And then Annabella no, is so quickly learning. Yeah, it is so quickly killed in the story. So it kinda like didn't serve any other purpose besides telling us about the dice, which I felt was unnecessary. But anyway, we learn more about this world and this community, and this is obviously the healing community that we learned about in Gathering Blue. And apparently here they moan collectively when someone dies. So another weird custom. And also the forest is alive. So like Charles is saying, this kind of there's more magical elements in this world. And the forest will attack people if they're not supposed to go in there. And they'll give it'll give warnings before it's time to like entangle you and kill you. 
So, like, Maddie talks about how he's never received a warning because as the messenger, he's constantly having to walk through the forest to send messages to other communities. But Christopher Sear, his father, has has received warnings before. And it's basically, like, instead of killing you, it, like, pricks you, I guess. So it's kind of like, that was your warning to, like, not come back. But we also find out that on one of Maddie's messenger missions, he touches an injured frog and it sticks to him and he's like not able to put it down and he ends up healing this frog. So obviously that's really odd and this is kind of our first introduction to whatever his healing power is. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's kind of introduced in a little odd way, but yeah, we already right out of the bat get like, there's definitely like larger forces at play than just right and wrong. And so, and we probably honestly with this book also going to go a little out of order because there's actually not that much that happens. There's a lot of conversations that are kind of similar. Like Maddie asks to trade like five or six times, but so we should actually mention that. Like, so there's this big essential question of trading. So Maddie has a friend named Ramon and his family has traded for a gaming machine, which basically sounds like an arcade machine or like a pinball machine almost that drops out like bubble gum. And they traded something in order to receive this machine. And Seer or Christopher is super, super against the trading. Yeah. The trading is very mysterious. <laughs> like when we're reading this, like it's like, what did they trade to get this arcade machine? But, you know, Maddie, this is kind of when he's still like, he's very much acting like a child in this moment because he's trying to convince Christopher that, you know, they need one and they want the candy. But he's basically like talking to a brick wall because we definitely get the impression that Christopher is very much against this like bartering trading system, which I probably would be too because it just seems super sketch. Yeah, it definitely seems sketchy. And like, I could feel, like, did you already feel, like, when they were first started talking about the gaming machine, could you already tell that something was up, or did you just think that Christopher was being cautious? No, I definitely, like I said, it seemed very sketchy and, like, something was up, because, I mean, my first thought is just, you know, where the heck did they even get, like, this arcade game, because it just seems like, at least in these the Gathering Blue community, we met there with Kira, and then this community, it, this seems, like, way more, like, again, more of, like, in the past, like, they don't have, like, technology and stuff as much, at least from what we were introduced to, so it just seems very odd to have this more futuristic item just mixed, like, in the mix, so it's kind of like, where did they get it from, like, uh, it just seems like, where did they get it from, and, like, what could you possibly trade that would be worth something like that when there's, like, no other technology mentioned, so, like, it's obviously a very valuable item, so, and usually when it's, people are trading for valuable items, you have to probably trade something bad so (laughs) definitely sketchy right from the beginning to me also the fact that it seems to like be the only piece of advanced tech and it's not even functional it's like a toy yeah um so yeah that was definitely like it i was like oh that seems out of place that they're they've got a an arcade game yeah and then we also find out that jonas outlawed secrets in this community And he also seems to agree with Christopher that the trading is not good, which 
again, red flag, red flag, red flag. But also because the whole trading is a secret, like which we're eventually going to learn kind of what's happening. But speaking of Jonas, little side note, I noted that he lives alone. So where is Gabriel? Because Gabriel would now be, what, like seven years old? Yeah, he's like, he's seven at the youngest, but he could be older than that because we don't know like what the time gap between Giver and Gathering Blue is. But mm-hmm. I was wondering that too. I was like, I don't think that Jonas would have just abandoned Gabriel. So I definitely feel like we need some answers on that. I hope that we'll get them in this book, but maybe it'll have to be next one, the last book. But I was wondering that too, because I was like, it definitely said that it de- we definitely got the vibe that Jonas is by himself. Yeah. So hopefully we'll find it out next week. Maybe it's like when he got there, like they gave Gabriel to another family to be raised because obviously Jonas was also a child when he would have come with him. So maybe that's what it is. And we just haven't met that family yet. Yeah, hopefully. But also someone from Jonas's old community, we learn, sent him like a bunch of books on a river barge because... Once we, like, go into, like, Jonas's living quarters, he's got, like, shelves and shelves of books, kind of like what's described in The Giver. And, I mean, when they were describing it, you know, my first thought was, where did he get all these books? Which they say that someone sent them to him. So it could have possibly been The Old Giver. But I was just like, how is that possible? Like, so they must be close enough then that there's a river that connects the two of them? Yeah, I was... I was thinking about that because it's like this is where I'm saying that it's kind of like incongruous like it kind of feels like each book was kind of tacked on to the next one because like now like if the books came from the old giver or even just from the elders in the other community that means they know a lot more about the outside world than I mean we knew they knew more because obviously they were suppressing information so they had to have information to suppress but like it also just felt very out of character that the other community would just send, like, acknowledge sort of the loss. But maybe that's because of what Jonas did, that they were able to do that. Like, like the actual distance doesn't seem like a big problem because Jonas biked there in, like, four days as a child. But it definitely feels like there is not really a good explanation as to how, like, they knew where to send the books and... Yeah, that too. Like, it just, again, like I said, it, that's kind of where it doesn't feel connected as much as more just these are books in the same universe rather than, like, a cohesive series. Even though it's the same characters. But to me, that just seems, like, sloppy. Like, it's not planned. I would agree. I would agree. Like, that's like I said, I feel like they were each tacked on. Yeah. Well, also, we... I mentioned previously in the summary, but how there is basically a petition for the borders of this community to be closed, which in Gathering Blue, what we learned about this community that's like this healing community is that all the people you know that were turned away from their communities for being broken or having issues that they felt were undesirable were able to come to this like safe haven and live here. And now that they've just changed their mind, they're like, no more outsiders. Like, we can't take any more people in. Which, I mean, it just goes against everything they stand for. Which, I mean, as we'll talk about in a second, like, goes against, like, the trading and what they're giving away and how that's changing them as people. Yeah. Like, it's very clearly 
that was actually put up pretty early on as a conflict that we were going to have to deal with. I mean, it got resolved within like the first, cause we already, they already voted by the end of this reading, mm-hmm. but it was definitely like, especially this is in such stark contrast to what we did know about the community from gathering blue where Maddie comes back and he's like, they literally accept everyone. They all help each other out. And you could even get married here, even if you have a physical disability, which obviously in Kira's world is out of the question. So it's definitely like the one thing we know about this community seems to already be turned on its head. So that's obviously not great. No, it is not. But you're right that we have to wait until like, we'll wait until we get to that part of the reading to talk about it for more. Okay. So then on his way back to the house one day, Maddie discovers like his ability to heal wounds, at least in animals now. But like we said, it completely exhausts him. And we know that he healed the frog's leg like in the forest. That's like right at the beginning of the book. And then a little bit later on, there's one of this one of his friends has like a dog and the dog has just had a puppy and he's able to heal the mom and puppy because they're both like dying but so just to give a context when the book opens it's maddie goes into the forest and he picks up this frog and it says like the frog has like a stiff leg or something like it's it doesn't explain as to what happened at all and like they like i think in a couple of chapters later it mentions the frog again like almost like watching something so my thought i was like maybe the frog is kira because <laughs> kira has her disabled leg and they specifically talked about the frog's like back leg because again i have no idea what we're reading since apparently there's magic in this book now but unfortunately the frog was not kira so very much a disappointment wow i don't know where to begin with that um yeah, it was definitely written in a confusing way because it, like you said, the book literally opens with that and it's kind of not, like, explained. And then even, like, when he heals the dogs, it's not explained that well. It's, like, the second time he heals a frog when he's like, ha-ha, now I have this power. And it's like, oh, I guess that's what was happening. But my brain never went to the first frog being Kira. But, you know, I guess that was creative of you i think it's because i didn't think of it like so the first mentioning of the frog it's just like he picks up the frog and he's not able to put the frog down for a while and he doesn't know what happened and then he's exhausted and then he goes home it's like the next couple like a couple chapters later i don't know if he's in the forest again or they just the scene goes to the forest but it says like there was a frog and the frog like looked at something and then it kind of limped away and it had a stiff leg And in the last book, the main character had a disabled leg. So, especially since, like I said, this book kind of introduces magical powers or something. Maybe Kira got turned into a frog. Maybe a a witch came and cast a spell on her. I have no idea. Well, I like the theory. It's been disproven, but, you know, there are worse things than a creative mind, I guess. So, anyway... Maddie has now healed multiple animals, and he's kind of figuring out his power. He probably could heal a human, Akira, in a human form, but, you know, maybe Akira in frog form as well. And it definitely feels like he's a little bit smarter than Kira because, like, he's definitely already got a grasp on his power, whereas when Kira was, like, kind of 
quantifying her ability with a thread. She just was like, I'm okay, you know. And she didn't realize, like, how profound her abilities were. But he is also definitely older in this book than Kira was during Gathering Blue. So I'm not saying she's stupid. But that is something we talked about when we covered Gathering Blue, is that Kira is not necessarily the sharpest on the uptake. So I think that Maddie being a little older helps that. Yeah, Kira was definitely just, like, a little bit more naive and, like, clearly more childlike. Whereas, I mean, how I even compared Kira and Jonas, to me, Jonas, like, was much more willing to question things. Whereas Kira, like, it took her much longer, which, again, for me, just, like, coming from a more adult, from an adult perspective, it was harder for me to read, I think. But so then, back to the trading, which keeps coming up. Maddie decides that he's going to go and watch how this thing goes down and what actually happens during it. And then he's going to report it back to Christopher. And so something is definitely ha- weird is definitely happening. So they call it Trademark. And that's when everyone gets together. And there's a guy whose name is Trademaster who basically kind of operates like a cross between like an auction and like being a bank teller. Like it's just he basically is administering the trades and he's writing them down, which I think is important. Like he's keeping a record of it because these trades are irreversible. And what's really important is Mentor, who is the teacher, he looks all changed and much healthier. So he had a birthmark on his face and he used to be like stooped a little bit and have not the greatest posture and not the most like handsome disposition. And all of that seems to, like, be better. Like, he's his birthmark is paler, and he's standing taller, and he's definitely looking more attractive. Yeah, and so when I was reading this, you know, my immediate thought was, is someone impersonating Mentor? Like, has someone, you know, maybe painted a fake birthmark like, and not obviously done a good job? Because, like you said, a big thing they noted is, like, the birthmark was lighter. Like, it's completely changed. Um, Maddie also describes him as being taller and like he said his voice sounded different. So like all things that I was like, well, maybe it's not the same person. I actually think that's, I didn't think of that at all, but I think that's real, actually a really good idea. Like I'm kind of like, why didn't I think of that? Because that's definitely a better explanation. Cause my mind literally was like, ah, magic. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, you know, I read a lot of fantasy, but I, I like that your brain went to, Maybe there's a more logical explanation than they're trading away their souls. Well, this was probably because after, you know, the disappointment of Kira not being the frog, I was like, well, there must be a more logical explanation then. (laughs) Kira equals frog. That's going in our merch shop. So, uh, but unfortunately we find out that it is just magic. It is not someone impersonating... Well, actually, we don't know. It still could be someone impersonating Mentor, but we're definitely given the vibe by the end of the reading that that's not the case. But I'm just too intellectually incurious to guess that. Yeah, it definitely does seem like it's more magical things because people are trading things like that are not really like items because like Mentor... Like, I think Mentor is the one who like he goes up first and the trader is like what are you trading? And he's like, the same as before. Or I think it's notes. What are you trading for? Or like, like in the sense of like, what do you want? And he says, same as before. So then the trade master writes that down. And then he's like, and what are you going to trade for that? Like, what are you going to give up? And then 
that's when Maddie says, like, everybody whispers their answers, so you can't hear what they said. So they're obviously trading away something that's not good because they don't say it loudly or anything. And we also, like, Maddie describes how the one thing that he, like, took away from the experience was at the very end, because Christopher, when he goes to report back to Christopher, he's like, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, is there anything else unusual you noticed? And as he was leaving, he saw this lady... I guess she's, like, a normal, like, she doesn't have any disabilities or issues. She's married to her husband, is, like, old and, like, maybe hunched over. I don't exactly remember, but he has some kind of disability or something. And Maddie says how normally this woman is very nice and sweet, like, a very kind person. But as they're leaving from the, like, trade market, she's with a couple of, like, other women. And they're teasing and, like, making fun of her husband and because he's walking slow slowly because he has some kind of disability I can't remember and she ends up like running back to him and saying like hurry up like snapping at him like just totally out of character and so I was like maybe maybe the lady like traded away like what she considers her like broken husband or something but it's also just clear that whatever they're trading away which is almost like described as like your deepest soul your deepest self so like you know giving away your soul to the devil or something it's obviously like turning you into a bad person it's taking away all the good qualities each person has and for mentor he's trading that part of himself because what we learn is that it's to make himself more attractive so that stock tenders widow so this woman he's like interested in will fall in love with him and basically Because when he goes up for the trade, she's like, oh, you know, after a few more trades. And that's why his, you know, birthmark is fading. He's taller. He's not, he's no longer hunched over. And he just looks more attractive all for this woman. And it's just awful. Yeah, it's, it is awful. And like, we're definitely given the impression. I think that, I think it's his daughter that ends up saying deepest virtue, but maybe it was Christopher. I can't remember, but we're definitely given the impression that people are trading away their virtue and their goodness. So specifically, like I said, Jean, who is Mentor's daughter, she's noticed it. So she's talking to Maddie one day, and she's like, Dad's or Mentor's demeanor, like he's changed. He's, his temper is all short and cruel. Like he kicked the puppy that uh, the puppy that Maddie's going to adopt, Frolic. He kicked him for being misbehaved, and that's definitely not the kind of person he was. And so people are definitely trading away at least their goodness, if not something more, in order to get material things. So one, these like gaming machines, which are clearly, and beauty, which is, so the gaming machines, particularly like Christopher's like, I really don't want that because when would we use it? And Maddie's like, probably at night, right? And Christopher's like, well, that's when we sit together and we read and we make music and we spend time together. Like, are you saying that's not valuable? And Maddie's like, well, when you put it like that, I wouldn't want a gaming machine either. And Christopher's like, case in point. But I think that that's just something like, I mean, so clearly we're getting material things that are you know, taking away their humanity, taking away what's important. And then also this beauty aspect that's, you know, shallow and vain. So obviously we're not supposed to like that either. But, and it does seem like it does make the characters more cruel and heartless because of it. 
Yeah, and so enough people then have been, you know, hardened in this way that they do succeed in voting to close the border of the community. But like I said, I just, I'm looking forward to the next half of the book to kind of figure out exactly what they're trading because, like we said, we're saying it's deepest self, your soul, like, I'm just curious, like, how that process works and where, if they're giving away, like, their soul or this virtue, this, you know, abstract idea, like, where does it go? Do Does the trade master have it locked up in a box, like, altogether, like, or is it gone forever? Because, too, how we're saying, like, the trades are irreversible, like, is there a way to get it back? It'll just be curious to see where the story goes. Yeah, I think that we definitely need a more conclusive answer to that, like... Because, like you said, it's kind of in vague terms so far, and I definitely want to know a little more exactly what what we're saying they're giving up, and also, assumedly, how it could be resolved down the line. Like, we're assuming that they wouldn't stay that way forever. That So, definitely want answers on that. And, like, that was definitely one of those mysteries, like you said, that made it more of a page-turner. Like, I was like, oh, I want to know what's coming next. And... Just plot-wise, we now have three weeks before the village is going to get closed off. And Maddie is going to go on a mission to go get Kira, or at least to tell Kira what's happened. Because after these three weeks, she's not actually going to be able to come to the community. So if you remember at the end of Gathering Blue, she's like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to make everything better. And apparently she's done that. Like Maddie says, like the village has completely changed and much better. But she also said that she would come live with Christopher one day. And if she's going to do that, apparently she's only got three weeks to get back over. Yeah. So he, Maddie, yes, Maddie's going to go get Kira. But before so, he goes to see Jonas before he leaves. And this is where we kind of learn that Jonas has the ability to, like, stretch his vision to see places he's not actually at. So because he tells Maddie that he's going to look to see what Kira is doing or something like all the way over in her community. But he's like not really able to see her because the forest is starting to close and like get really tangled. And I'm just like, when did he get this superpower? Yeah, I was wondering about that too, because so it's kind of in this book, it's kind of said that that is what the seeing beyond is. Like seer is like, I don't have any powers, but Leader does, and we call it seeing beyond. But in The Giver, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Asia, because maybe I'm just, you know, because I've read The Giver before, I got the vibe that seeing beyond was seeing color, because everyone else can, can't see color, and Jonas can, and he's like, and then at the ceremony, the chief elder's like, Jonas can see beyond, and then when he's talking to the giver about it, Jonas is describing color. And so we definitely get the vibe that that's what seeing beyond was. But everyone can see color in Kira's community and Maddie's community. So it wouldn't necessarily be special in Jonas's. But now it definitely seems like in Messenger, seeing beyond is, like you said, like he's got like, he can force cast his vision somewhere else. Like, he can get visions of the world. <laughs> like, I don't know. What did you think? I think my only explanation for it would be that, you know, in The Giver, like, in that community, seeing beyond was being able to see color because since they were all adjusted to only see in a grayscale. But once he's 
moved on to a new world where color is normal since he's still this gifted person his gift is able to develop to give him something extra like he wouldn't have needed this gift in the giver i guess because he all he needed was to try to like be able to see color i don't know it doesn't really make sense to me <laughs> but again this does seem like a little bit like it's like a little sloppy like it just seems like some things like are just unplanned like i mean even i always said like this isn't necessarily a traditional series but i don't know i also just think it's interesting how lois lowry like wrote this too about how like it's almost like she doesn't want you to try to connect the books, but it's so obvious that they're connected, like how she's not using the same names, like even changing Matt to Maddie and not no longer referring to Christopher as Christopher, only referring to them as Seer and Jonas as leader, even though it's very clear that it's the same people, which again, I could say is like, because if this was a book that's geared more towards a younger audience, it's giving you that first look at like how to read between the lines because she's not telling you who it is at all. But if you were paying attention, you'd easily be able to like see that. And it just feels so obvious to us because we know how to do that. But maybe to a kid who's never read a book that has like hidden meanings, this would be a great way for them to like learn that. So that could be, I think, it too. No, I think that's right. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked into like her plans for writing it because I also know that Sun was written much later. Like I think the first three books were written kind of close-ish to each other, but the fourth book, which we'll cover in a couple weeks, or in two weeks, um, I know that was written much later, but I agree that it definitely feels like they're written almost that you can experience them independently, which is not a bad thing, Like, but it doesn't really flow when you actually read them in sequence. Like, you wouldn't read Catching Fire by itself. No. You could, and it would make sense, but, like, it definitely would is much more rich because you've read Hunger Games. Yeah. Whereas, honestly, Gathering Blue, because I actually, w- this is a confession I haven't made on the show yet, I didn't know that Gathering Blue was related to The Giver when I read it. Well, because Gathering Blue is not actually related to The Giver at all. And so I just enjoyed Gathering Blue as it was when I read it, and then only later did I find out that it was part of the next, like, step. And I think that these books... But like you said, like the names have changed a little bit. It, I think that they, they're, they could be more easily read independently, but it definitely makes it more jarring actually or feels sloppy when you read it in sequence. Yeah, but anyway, finishing up the plot of this reading. So I wrote down how we learn that like the, the actual forest, forest, because also in, in this book, like nothing's referred to as the forest or... The village. It's called... Forest is a character. Yeah, it's called Forest. Forest it's called is a character. Village. It's like yeah, a proper noun. Yeah, they're all proper nouns. It's, it's very interesting to read. But anyway, so Forest, I, I am assuming... By very interesting, I think Asia means I don't like it. <laughs> That's not what I meant. It's... She does not, li- she does not like profanified it's villages. It's just interesting. But Forest... It's culty, actually. The Forest is beginning to thicken. And like Jonas says this when he's trying to, you know, see through the forest to Kira, like, he can't really see because the forest has gotten so thick. And I'm assuming that it's beginning to thicken because, as we know, like, the forest is alive, it eats people. Like, it's deciding to physically close the borders because the people have voted for that. So it's literally personifying that in the sense of no one can leave and no one can come in. Like, no one in or out. And then, again, this is where we say, like, 
there is clearly some like magic going on in this world because in addition to the forest physically thickening, Kira made a tapestry for Christopher and Maddie. Like they have a tapestry of hers hanging in their home and they're on the tapestry. It has the forest and on the tapestry, the forest has literally gotten thicker. Like more threads have appeared on this tapestry which I guess we're getting into the fantasy world, which if you're a regular here, you know that's not what I'm a fan of. But anyway, the tapestry has literally changed on its own to show a thicker forest that exists that wasn't there before. Yeah. Like, again, this is one of those moments that feels a little like it was retconned. Like, it's like Lois Lowry decided a little later on in the series to make it magical because we know Kira's talented, like, it's very clear that she's a talented artist. We didn't know that her talent, like her embroidery has magical powers to, you know, re- reflect a changing landscape. The same way we didn't know Jonas's power had. And maybe that's because like you explained, like Jonas's were like maybe Maddie's world is so like it's one step ahead of their world. So like gifts take on another layer there, but it kind of feels like we knew Kira was talented, but then the way that Seer or Christopher describes it, like Kira has a talent that's magical. Maddie has a talent that's magical. Jonas has a talent that's magical. And these, like these powers, at least they're definitely presenting as magical while they're in Maddie's community. Who knows if they would other places, but the magic element really didn't come in until this book. So maybe it's this community, maybe it's specific to village. That feels so weird to say. (laughs) Or maybe it's something that she changed her mind on later on and it feels a little retconned. Like we, you know, we change the continuity of the, and the world building a little later on in the series, which is a little inconsistent. I mean, as we've spent this whole episode talking about. Yes, which like also, I mean, I don't want, I'm, neither of us are going to fully judge it until we've read the whole book and the whole series, but it's just right now, that's how it feels. Yeah. And like we said, it's, maybe not necessarily intended to be read as a series. So maybe that's why it's more annoying for us, but because we're obviously reading the, for this podcast, we're reading the books in series in sequence. It definitely is. It's more jarring. So that's all. And we both already enjoyed this one. I mean, I really enjoy gathering blue, but we clearly enjoyed this one a lot. I enjoyed this one much more than gathering blue. The giver is still my favorite. Gathering Blue is still my favorite. So far. Wrong opinion. (laughs) Okay, well, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we finish? I don't think so. I'm just looking forward to finishing it to see, you know, where all this magic comes from. (laughs) Yeah. I was, like, very touched. I wanted to mention that when they're voting to close a community or not, and Seer talks, and he's, like, he's talking about Maddie, and he calls him my boy, because he's obviously not his actual son. And Maddie's like, that was so sweet. Like, I really like the sound of that. Like, I just thought that was really touching. And then the man goes, because he's like, remember, even Maddie, like, he was he was a thief and a liar. And, you know, we helped him. And then the guy, like, the guy raised him. No, the woman. He, the, his neighbor. Oh, no, the woman, the neighbor who helped, like, raise him. She was like, 
yeah, and I can't deal with anybody else like that. Thank God that's over. We're not doing that anymore. And I was like, and he, Maddie was like, how rude. <laughs> yeah, Maddie's jaw dropped. Also, when they were talking about the teacher, because, like, Maddie was, like, a rascal when he was a kid, and the teacher, like, loved him and, like, helped him become better behaved. And now with this rascal puppy, he kicks him. Like, yeah, it's... Well, it's all just like they're just like, well, we don't want to have to do that anymore. Which is just very interesting indeed. Very interesting indeed. Well, we're going to finish Messenger for next week, so we'll get some of these answers. If you do read along with us, go ahead and read to the end of the book. And if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You'll head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at the Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash the Nerd Party. And to find me, I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and at Asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at CEShieland on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other amazing podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.